Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Phase zero episode number 38 is live. Let's do it. Welcome to the MCU show. I'm your host, Brandon Davis. The Fantastic Four is all here. Joined today by Jenna Anderson. Hey, everybody. We got Jamie Girac. Good morning. We got Aaron Perrine. What's going on, y'all? Woo, I feel energized. I don't know why. That five-minute music just gets me pumped up. I'm not going to lie. During that during that five-minute intro music, which the podcast listeners will never experience because it's only on the live show, had to run over, like, fix my hair so I didn't look like a total slob on today's show. Came back, sat down, felt good, ready to talk about Venom. Got big news. Andy Serkis is on the podcast next week. We have a half-hour interview with Venom. Let there be Carnage director Andy Serkis. He also plays Alfred in the Batman. He's also Gollum in Lord of the Rings. He was Richard Neeland in 13 going on 30. That's why you're here. But he's also Ulysses Claw. So we're going to talk about it all, and I'm very excited about that. Uh, At the end of today's show, we're going to talk about What If Episode 8. Spoilers, so we're going to save it for the end. Uh, and we have some MCU news to get through. So without further ado, I want to start with Venom reactions. And James, who, who's, who should go first here? Do you want to, you want me to you go first? first? You go, who, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to go first. Oscar Isaac here. Who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. <laughs> it's all uh, you. Talk first. Um, okay. Venom, let there be carnage. <clears throat> it's a movie. It's a movie. <laughs> um, so listen. <sighs> I'm really conflicted on this one because the first Venom, when I got out of it, I didn't really like it. A couple years have gone by. It's grown on me a lot. Uh, this new one, I there's things I like. And overall, I'm kind of like, it feels messy and rushed, which is weird because they had a lot of time to get this movie right. Um, but I, so I don't really know if something happened, if it was weird, but it was like Eddie and Tom Hardy as Eddie and Venom is fantastic. I think we get a lot more from Anne this time. Well, we don't get a lot of Anne, but what we do get of Anne, I really like, I thought she was really like a valuable character. I want more of her. And I think that's my biggest problem with this movie is that all of the characters that are interesting uh, beside, that are not named Eddie or Venom, I want more of them. And the movie is so fast that it doesn't give you time to really spend time with them in super meaningful ways. Carnage looks amazing. The action with Carnage is very cool. Um, Cletus Cassidy thought it was kind of cheesy. Um, I would say the same for Shriek. Uh, but overall, like I think Marvel fans are going to go. They're going to watch it. It feels like a, it feels like it. It would fit into like the 
the the era of movies that came out in the early 2000s. If you liked the first Venom, I think you're going to like this one. If you didn't, I think you're not. Um, and I just think it's not going to get any superlatives for being the best movie. I don't think it's going to get superlatives for being the worst movie. I think it's just it's a movie. It's Venom. Venom is very cool. Carnage is very cool. I would have liked to see more dynamics between certain characters, a deeper look at certain characters. And I'm the last person, I think, to say I want R-rated movies. But I do think this one would have benefited from from taking things a little, not cutting where it cuts on a lot of things um, and, and going a little further. But also, I mean, the post credit scene is wish fulfillment. It's awesome. Uh, and like if you stay through the credits like that, per, that is worth the price of admission alone, I think, which is so weird to think about to say. Uh, but I think that by the time, you know, you, you get to the end of this movie, you'll you'll enjoy that post credit scene very thoroughly and be very excited for the future. And I do want more Venom. Like this movie does have me wanting more Venom. It has me also wishing for more Carnage. But uh, just with, I don't know, maybe a different style. Uh, but overall, it's. I don't hate it. I don't love it. It's, um, um, yeah, it's where I'm at. Jamie? Yeah, I think you really, like, hit the nail on the head with, like, it's it's not terrible. It's not great. It's just a movie that exists. It's just a movie that is now out in the universe. And I'm somebody, see, I think I'm going to be in the minority on this one where I really like the first Venom. And so I was like, yeah, this is going to be my thing. Where's it getting more of this? And I was <clears throat> really disappointed. Um, uh, I, it just... It's fine. And, but like, you know, you brought up the, the, this like mysterious credit scene. What's it going to be? Everyone's like, everyone's teasing it. And it's like, that should not be the only thing people are talking about. Uh, that, that is, that's like not what makes a good movie. That, that's like what makes a good, uh, like tweet, you know? Uh, so, and I'm a big Woody Harrelson fan. Like, you girls got a cheers tattoo. So I was really stoked. Uh, for for him and and I, and that and I thought that all fell really flat. I didn't really care what was going on. I agree, Michelle. I wanted more because people talk about why she doesn't, how she doesn't do much in the first one. Um, so yeah, I, I have, I'm writing our official comicbook.com review today. It's going up tomorrow, and like I'm bummed that I have to that I can't like get excited about writing this because I don't like to be negative. So that's where I'm at. Uh, but it's not terrible. It's like it's seen worse. You know, it's just not. <laughs> exciting <laughs> yeah i mean i'm with you. I, I i i there were things that i liked like it, it, I, overall i think the movie is like just very okay um but there are like i think we've talked about some of the negative things we want to see more of but i like to keep it positive and there are positives i think i really think that like eddie and venom is hilarious uh, tom hardy's commitment to this role is just astounding i can't like he t like the movie is campy and ridiculous and he commits to every bit of it for better or worse, which is usually for better because if he was anywhere and not committed, it would just pull you right out and it would just be awful. So I think, I mean, hats off to Tom Hardy for bringing Eddie Brock to life and establishing this dynamic between Eddie and Venom, because it is the most fun part of the movie. And it so desperately makes me want more. I, this movie desperately made me want to see Venom come face to face with Deadpool in a movie. I think the banter there would be hilarious. And funny. I think it would be just fantastic. Uh, but, and just the, like the action sequences are much better than the first movie. In my opinion, I think carnage versus venom is, is pretty cool. I like how Andy circus chose to have like the full frame taken up to show the size of these characters, uh, like to, to capture their scale and carnage is menacing. Uh, I would have liked to see him be a bit more menacing. And I would have liked to see Cletus get a, like, 
I don't know, just feel more intimidating. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it is, it's fine. It's, you know, I, I'm, I'm very excited to see what people think of it. Um, because, you know, people went to the premiere and loved it. A lot of people, uh, saw it early and loved it. And I'm curious, like people who go to regular screenings over the weekend, uh, what they're going to think. Because I remember when the first Venom came out and all the critics ripped it. And I was I was one of the critics who was like, yeah, you have some good stuff, but you got to change a lot to make a good movie. Uh, and they kept the good stuff and they just kind of put the other, they changed the other stuff with other stuff that I don't think was great. Um, and but, but a lot of people love that first one. Jamie, it's interesting to hear you say you didn't like it or you did like the first one, but you didn't love this one. So it should be noted that I came to the first one late. I didn't see the first one in theaters. So by the time I watched it, no one was talking about it anymore. I got to kind of come into it very fresh and, and clean. And maybe that has something to do with it. I think that this both movies are a circumstance thing. Like I um, kind of like when you watch a comedy, like you, if you're like, I was a little tired, maybe that's why I didn't like it, but that should, you shouldn't have that much pressure on yourself. <laughs> Movies shouldn't be that hard. Uh, but I think that that has something to do with it. Like, I don't know. Maybe be a little toasty before you go in. Well, you know, like maybe that'll help. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're in a place where you can do that, uh, you know we <laughs> we encourage it. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's it for for Venom Talk. We'll have the full review from Jamie um, on ComicBook.com tomorrow morning, and we have Andy Circus on the podcast to dive into it. We will have maybe some preview of that interview over the weekend. Maybe a dive into the post credit scene. Uh, to, to share with you over the weekend. Um, I'll have a full breakdown video on the comicbook.com YouTube channel. Uh, and I see everybody in the comments. Actually, we did get to send, I think, like 50 people to the screenings in New York and L.A. from our Phase Zero audience to go see the movie early. And uh, it looks like they all had a blast. So I'm really happy we were able to make that happen. But Jenna, Aaron, was there anything you guys wanted to talk about on this? Because I know you guys haven't seen it yet. People in the comments are asking, and I am kind of curious too, how is the new Eminem song? <laughs> uh it's certainly no venom 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 um i think that that's just a classic you can't top it but it's good it, it it's you know eminem drops some bars in the credits so yeah it's good i'll I'm, i like eminem so i'll always say eminem music is good yeah all right all right we're gonna I have no opinion <laughs> yeah all right so that's venom um yeah, if y'all want to talk more about it, feel free to hit me up on Twitter or Instagram, whatever. Uh, feel free to hit up Jamie and we will have the full review with like an official rating and all that stuff on comicbook.com slash Marvel tomorrow morning. Uh, and we can talk more about it throughout the weekend. Can't wait to see what you all think and uh, hear everybody's reaction to the... I mean, people are not overhyping the post credit scene. It's, it's, it's a pretty big deal. Um, but let's move on to some news. So, um, I have taken the responsibility of talking about the Marvel lawsuit of this week, which is the most complicated thing that I have ever seen oversimplified on Twitter. Um, I was losing my mind on my day off just seeing people try to play this game of telephone of thinking what the lawsuit actually was versus what it actually is. Um, and so I wanted to kind of talk about it here and kind of explain what all is going on. I am not a lawyer. I know very little about law, but I do know comic history and all of that. So I have my own separate sort of notes that I will dive into here. 
So in the Copyright Act of 1976, Congress gave artists the possibility to take back rights of previously licensed work after 35 years. Um, you can kind of file a termination notice, and that will give you the possibility, if you created a work that another company owns, to renegotiate the terms of that deal. If it is a thing where you signed the deal and then that character became way popular than you would expect it and you're entitled to more money, or if it's a thing of like, oh, I signed this deal and then you're not using this character and I want it back. Um, and this also applies to rights that were assigned before or before um, 1978, as long as they were not made for hire, which is a thing that I will dive into here. So um, a bunch of Marvel creators and their various families have filed termination lawsuits recently. And then Marvel made headlines by filing a lawsuit to prevent them from doing so. And so this is relevant for Steve Ditko, who co-created Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, Don Heck, who co-created Iron Man, Black Widow, and Hawkeye, Don Rico, who co-created Black Widow, and Larry Lieber, who is the brother of Stan Lee, who co-created Iron Man, Thor, and Ant-Man. Um, so they all filed their own termination lawsuits, and Marvel is trying to prevent them from doing so because they want to assert that they have full credit. Um, and part of the thing that they are trying to argue is that copyright termination doesn't work if the work in question was made as work for hire, which is kind of a thing that has been thrown around in the comic industry a lot. Um, Marvel in particular likes to taught that they have the Marvel method, which is a much more collaborative way of making comics and is kind of a bunch of people working back and forth to create a single issue. And so in their argument, then nobody is one sole creator and everybody is kind of involved. But part of the problem is that there isn't as much of a paper trail when it comes to the work for hire. Whereas if you are somebody who has signed a work for hire contract in the past couple of decades, you might have some sort of contract that proves that that was what was outlined. That isn't necessarily the case if you were somebody who was working in the 60s or 70s and those documents are either gone or they may not have even been signed. Um, this isn't the first time that this has happened. Uh, Jerry Siegel, who co-created Superman, his family tried to do the same with DC. And then Jack Kirby's family tried to do the same with Marvel in 2014. It almost went to the Supreme Court and then it was settled out of that and didn't quite go there. Um, the one thing that is kind of key here, Marvel would not lose complete ownership of these characters, despite everybody reporting and thinking as much. They would just have to share ownership and share the profits with these co-creators. And this only applies in the US. International rights are their own thing. Um, I have seen speculation that people are like, could this technically mean that like Steve Ditko's family could take Doctor Strange and put him in a DC movie? Yes, that is technically possible, but I feel like that's a whole separate can, <laughs> can of worms in and of itself. Um, the thing that like frustrates me the most about this is that creators deserve credit and creators deserve to be paid. Um, there have been comic creators who their characters are in billion dollar movies and then they're over here launching GoFundMes to try to pay their hospital bills or try to just pay their normal bills. So all of the people who I have seen who are very pro Marvel in this instance, I will just say you don't know the full situation and these creators deserve their credit. So does anybody else have any sort of comments or questions regarding this whole thing i know i just well, that was great uh <laughs> i feel educated and, and and i think you're so like like people keep thinking like they're gonna take away all the characters that's not yeah. gonna happen it's the not best, like no the best tweet i saw comparing it to is like is stephen king mm -hmm. and how um he's in charge of you know what gets adapted and that kind of stuff and no one's taken away spider-man please stop like we don't want we don't need to be rooting for corporations yeah. we should be rooting for artists exactly uh, and and you you I'm really impressed with the way you just spit that. Everyone in the comments is like, breathe, Jenna, breathe. I know. I was like, I could tell I was like not breathing in the middle of it, but it's like, this is something that I am so passionate about. If anyone else wants to also be angry about this, watch the 
Batman and Bill documentary that's on Hulu because it deals with one of Batman's co-creators. And it is a whole like nice encapsulation of not getting credit and not getting ownership and the work for hire of it all. And it is something that I definitely recommend because it will make you feel fired up about all of this. But yeah, it's this thing where like people don't understand what the situation is. And this is a thing that has kind of happened before. I know Spencer at our work said that it happened with John Carpenter and like Nightmare on Elm Street. So if you were to make a new movie, you would have to go to him directly. So it's like there is a precedent for this. It's just people have extrapolated it into like, oh, no, we're never going to get a Spider-Man or Doctor Strange thing ever again. And it's like that's not really the case. Yeah, I cannot say how much I wish I had Jenna around when I had to write this up for the site because I was so confused. You know the meme where like the reaction image where SpongeBob is reading the book and his eyes are going to two different pages and he's like struggling. That was me. I, I was like, man, I don't know. I went to school for English. I have no idea. I'm sure we're not going to have because people were like freaking out. It reminded me of, did anybody else get this vibe? The day that the Sony Spider-Man deal expired and everybody yeah. was on Twitter f- losing their minds. Mm-hmm. It reminded me, I'm like, but then nothing happened. Like, it was all fine. Like, it, it, we freaked out for a good week and a half and then everything was cool. I don't I don't think it. we're going to get to the point where they're going to be like, I'm like, did you just say like Doctor Strange could go over and make a DC? Like, no, that's not gonna. Exactly. That's not gonna happen. Like everybody, we need to calm down. Leave the weird multiversal shenanigans to Uatu, and we'll all be fine. It's mm-hmm. great. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, first of all, Jenna, bravo on Thank the. Uh, uh, where do we send our tuition check? Is the best way to sum that up. <laughs> uh, which was in the comment section. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, when we for. I, before today's show, I sent a message to everybody and said, does anybody understand this really thoroughly or should I spend the next hour educating myself? Uh, and Jenna volunteered and I'm glad she did because I could not have delivered that as well as she did. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's that's really like, that sums it up. Like Marvel's not going to lose these characters. They might just have to pay a little bit more money to these creators and their families, which I mean, legally, I don't know if they're going to be required to, but morally, like it's just like, just you know, give them a few bucks there. Come on, because you, you can, can afford it. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the thing. It, it, I mean, I think like a, a comparison, like a comparison we could make would be like this podcast. Like if we left comic book and this podcast became very successful, you know, Viacom CBS isn't going to be like, yeah, here's some extra money for creating that podcast. But we did create it. You know, all four of us have been here from the beginning. But uh, of course, this isn't going to become Doctor Strange or Iron Man. Uh, and they're not going to make movies about this podcast. But I think that's just like, like it, I get the legal aspect of it, I think. But I just think and I hope that the creators and the families do get some uh, get some extra cash from from what we're all enjoying and what a corporation is benefiting from. Um, but yeah, great job, Jenna. Uh, I'm not going to spoil Jenna's great work by continuing to run my stupid mouth. Um, so yeah, we're going to move on to, uh, to, to the next bit of news. Okay. So now in the bit of news, that everybody wants to talk about Thor, the dark world. So in a recent conversation with inverse, Alan Taylor says he wants to release his own Taylor cut of, of the much maligned Marvel movie. Uh, he said to them, I was cheering for Zack Snyder when he was doing that and thinking, will he pull this off? This is amazing. I think that every director was kind of rooting for that. I would love to. I mean, to, can you imagine that? They give me however many millions of dollars they gave him to go back in. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to get that phone call. I focused all my attention on making a certain movie. And then in the editing process, decisions were made to change it a lot. My regret was that the movie got released, was that it was changed a lot. 
I have a great fondness for some of the things that went away in the original cut. And there was a kind of quality, a wonder to the thing that was beautiful to me. So uh, we're just going to have every director probably try and do this now. What are your thoughts on the movie that everybody loves to dunk on getting another cut? First of all, Thor The Dark World is not that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Because Uh, they made it relevant. Because they will not let it go. It's important in everything that's come since. So it feels good now because it it matters. But that mattering does not a good movie make. Sorry. I will will just say, I've I've only seen the movie once. So it's like, I have no barometer, right? I guess I just saw it in theaters and I have not rewatched it since. But like, I know Alan Taylor has spoken about how like he was very depressed after making this movie and after it was released. So it's like, I feel for him. I completely commend wanting to release the Taylor cut. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think like I can totally understand making a movie in this big like franchise ecosystem and having it change so wildly from what Patty Jenkins initially had been brought in to do. So it's like, I, I totally get him wanting to do his own thing. Like I I'm all for it. it it'll never happen, but I'm all for it. So the question I, that, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say like, I am going to stay away from saying never because when we say <laughs> yeah. never, Things the monkey's paw has curled numerous times in the last year, two years, however long you want to go back. I'm good. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's probably gonna happen. But I also think that Marvel's gonna keep hitting that same button, JB. Like they're never gonna let us forget, like, no, it matters. You even if you don't like it, so what? Go back and rewatch Throw the Dark World before Endgame. Do it, do it now, as as Kevin Feige eats popcorn slowly in the background. <laughs> here's here's the question uh that i saw on instagram was would you watch it or do you want it or do you want the taylor cut of thor the dark world and i think i i I summarized my emotions on this the best in in a comment on the comic book instagram i don't care but i'd watch it if they released it you know that i'm not gonna be out here pushing the hashtag but if it was there and i was bored which i often am i'd watch it all right, let's keep it moving. All right, what's our next bit of news, you guys? Oh, goodness gracious. James McAvoy talked to our, our very own Jamie Lovett, our other Jamie here at comicbook.com, <laughs> and uh, about the idea of returning uh, as Professor X. It's not looking good. Uh, this was this was his quote. He said, I'm all about doing good stuff. And when I got asked to play Charles the first time, it was good stuff. It was good writing, and I was excited. If people offer me good writing, I'm always going to be excited. But I do feel like I've had a good ending with Charles, and I got to explore some really good stuff, particularly in the first two movies uh, that I did for him as a character. So if my time is done, I'm happy with the time that I spent and the time that I was given. And if good writing comes in and people want to do stuff with me, I'll always be open to that. But it's got to be good. So um, I think uh, Mr. McAvoy, like all of us, is aware that the first two of those X-Men movies are great. And then they start to teeter. Um, It sounds like he'd be open to it. But I think he was it also sounds like he was being polite. (laughs) That's what do you guys think? I wish this interview was on video. I don't know. I don't think it is. But I want to like listen to McAvoy's tone in this because if he says like I'm all about doing good stuff, and when I got asked to play Charles, this time it was good stuff. But if he's like I'm all about doing good stuff, uh, when I got asked to play Charles, it was good stuff. Like you know, it's all about the tone. So it does seem uh, easy to see that he is seemingly throwing some shade at the end of his X-Men run. Dark Phoenix was a movie. It's my least favorite movie. Ever? 
Uh, no, that, I'm sorry. Second to least. <laughs> Joker gets that top spot. Wow. Oh, you haven't seen Chaos Walking. Uh, <laughs> You're right. That's fair. Oh, I haven't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I just pissed off Tom Holland Nation. I know. Um, no. Geez. Uh, but yeah. I don't think he'll come back, but yeah, thank you, Sergeant Shade. Sorry, Jenna, what were you going to say about this? No, I'm getting flashbacks to Jonathan Majors, like in the print interviews and like saying, no, I'm not in Loki. Why would I like, what is the Loki? It's like, like you said, I feel like the context and the nuance here is kind of being lost. So, but yeah, I, I don't blame him for having this kind of outlook. I think the way that he worded it is much nicer than he could have. So, cause yeah, Dark Phoenix and Apocalypse are not good. No, 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 <laughs> they're not. All right. Anybody else want to weigh in on uh, yeah, James? I, I, just, I don't have I don't have a ton to say about <laughs> that, except for I. the first thing I thought about, Jenna, was Jonathan Majors in that print interview. And I'm like, how dare you as a writer not tell me how he was standing? Was his hand <laughs> jauntily on his hip? I need to know. I need to know. Um so I guess I'm next. So apparently Sony's still trying to make that Sinister Six movie uh, on uh, THR's Hero Nation podcast. They were talking about it. And uh, there was a notion, some reporting of Sony's always kept outside of the new Spider-Man stuff they're doing with the Disney slash MCU. They've always kept their Marvel Universe stuff separate. Uh, Chris Sandro. Um, with this like Venom upcoming, like Let There Be Carnage, they're actually trying to connect it to the Spider-Man universe and they're setting up the, with the Disney MCU. I know one of their long-term goals is to make the Sinister Six and that's the kind of project we're all waiting for, their version of the bad guys from the Spider-Man universe. We have heard so much about this Sinister Six thing and seen so very, very little, except for what we're all sort of intoning from the next Spider-Man movie. What did you guys think when you guys saw this? I mean, like, it's No Way Home, right? Like, No Way Home is that movie. Because you already have five of the six, and the sixth is either going to be, like, I don't know, Rhino or Venom or somebody. Like, you have, like, they're basically, if they don't add a sixth, and they just do a Sinister Five, and then all of a sudden we get another movie, like, a year or two from then that is an actual Sinister Six, it's going to feel kind of, yeah, or Vulture, as the comment section is saying, uh, I'm, my money's on Venom. My money has been on Venom for a while. Uh, I think that Sony, I, I think like when when that, that split between Spider-Man, like the, the Spider-Man deal led to the split between Sony and Disney. There was like the, the word, like in the reporting was that Sony really wants Venom in these movies. And I think that they see the value that adds to the, the Venom franchise being a part of the MCU. So I definitely think No Way Home has to be this movie, but... If it's not, yeah, sure, I'll watch another scene. I'll watch, I'll watch Spider-Man climb a tree. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like, at this point, they've, they've, this, Tom Holland Spider-Man movies have been very good. So hopefully, they keep, if they keep making them good, I'll keep watching. Just give me Michael Keaton. <laughs> uh, if you put Michael Keaton in your movie, I'm going to go see it. That, like, literally, like, that's all I care about. Uh, I, I, this whole concept means nothing to me, but if it includes Michael Keaton, I'm 100% on board. I'm just like, I just remember sitting and watching Amazing Spider-Man 2 and just seeing like how hard they leaned into like, we are setting up the Sinister Six. And then it's like, all right, are you still going to try? Like, I I commend the idea of being committed to this for like almost a decade at this point. So like, if they want to make a solo movie just about the Sinister Six, that's cool. But like, I feel like I'm content with what we're going to get at No Way Home. I think there is a weird conspiracy theory, giant like pinboard 
thing to this as well because I like I had the same reaction as as Brandon. I was like, "Is it No Way Home, Sinister Six movie? Like, what are we doing? What's going on? What What's the real truth here? I need Charlie Day. Where we need to figure this out. I need Luigi. I need to figure it out. I was about to say you're about to get him in December 2022. <laughs> good thing. Good thing Spider Man is December this year because how could he possibly compete with Chris Pratt Mario? <laughs> My goodness. But yeah, um, honestly, a Sinister Six movie is something we all want, but I feel like we're getting the version of it this year, hopefully. Um, But if not, could be could be cool down the line. All right. We got some extra bits of news here that I'm just going to run through really quickly and then we're going to get into our what if episode eight deep dive. Uh, So really quickly, Miss Marvel is confirmed for 2022. That happened right after last week's show. Chloe Bennett has said firmly she's not in Secret Invasion. And this is like such an easy quote that I actually believe her on it. Uh, Shang-Chi officially surpassed Black Widow at the domestic box office to be the biggest movie of the year in the United States. Not worldwide yet. Might get there. But uh, in the U.S., it is the biggest movie of the year. And not Marvel, but very exciting. Earlier today, the Book of Boba Fett released a poster and it drops on December 29th, which is, I'm pretty sure, the last episode of Hawkeye. What a day. What a way to end 2021. We're coming in hot 2022. Phase zero. The first phase zero of 2022. Got a lot to talk about. Woo! Let's, yeah, we'll be there. All right. All right. We're going to take a one-minute break. We're going to re-energize. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to talk about What If, Episode 8, full spoilers. If you haven't seen it yet, pause the show. Go watch What If and come back. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast welcome back to phase zero episode number 38 can we just take a second episode 38 we only do this once a week we, that means WandaVision premiered 38 weeks ago. Oh, All right. wow. 38 weeks. We are just marching. Marching. Longest two weeks of my life. Uh, what if episode eight breakdown uh we're gonna run through it all you know we like to start with the reactions shout out to layla who has pointed out in the comments we've been here for 38 weeks i don't know who we is but you have layla and we love you for it uh aaron you're at the top of the screen start us off what do you think of episode eight of what if 
Um, the first thing that I encountered this morning when logging on for work was Jim Viscardi losing his mind in, in, in our messaging service. And um, he, he's right. It was really, really fun. I, do, I did like last week's. So I'm not like, oh, I don't like any levity. But it was sort of interesting to see like where all everything is going. All, last week's episode sucked. Wow. <laughs> it was my favorite one. Oh, we hey, look who it we is. Oh. Speak of Jim Viscardi and he should appear. <laughs> dying to talk to Jim about to talk. I'm going to leave all the Spader content over there. <laughs> uh, Do you think, Jim, I'm going to, this is an honest question I'm going to ask you right now. <laughs> Do you think it would be a, a dis like I want if I were to call Ross right now <laughs> and he it, it, do you think he'd be mad at me if he answered and I was like I'm live on a show? No, uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, he may. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I should. I, sh- I mean, look, <laughs> look. I love Ro- I love Ross Marquand, but his Red Skull is way better than his Ultron. Okay, like that, and that's and, and I'll just say that. But this was a perfect opportunity. Like, look, okay, sorry. Marvel has had two perfect opportunities to bring James Spader back. Could have brought him back in WandaVision. Didn't even need makeup. They could have just had him show up, like had him walk off the set of the blacklist and show up and he would have fit in costume wise, right? Would have been fine. Then we have this, right? Not even it's not even like at first I thought, oh, well, if anything, they'll get Paul Bettany to like voice the vision and maybe put it through like a modulator or something when he like goes full Ultron or something. No, they didn't even get Paul. They didn't even get Paul Bettany. They just let this one go. And and that's it. But like like I said, I Ross Marquand, I think, does, does a does a good Ultron. I think it's weird. It's weirder for me to hear the not James Spader, but Ultron voice come out of the vision when we've had so much vision this year, basically. We've, I mean, look, they didn't correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Paul Bettany voice vision in the zombie episode? Mm-hmm. Like I'm almost positive. Yeah, he, did. he did. And so like, they can just say, Oh, Hey, by the way, can you just give me like an extra 20 minutes and just record these lines for uh, the other episode of, of what if, um, but I mean, voice things aside, holy moly. This this is the episode that I've wanted What If to be the entire time. Because this is the perfect blend of taking a story, turning it ever so slightly on its side, and going in a completely different direction. Like this is one where like this does this does not tell the, the story, retell the story of Age of Ultron. It doesn't retell uh, you know, or anything else really, right? Like, yes, you get some parallels, you get Hawkeye falling out of the sky instead of it being Black Widow and whatever, you know, insert Brandon Davis Black Widow joke here. Um but like uh but, <laughs> but like but it's but it's just one of those things where but also it's part of an ongoing narrative now. Like I understand that they had to like, you know, they had to give us all of the other episodes theoretically to give us, you know, the guardians of the multiverse coming together to do a thing to now defeat Ultron. But I feel like the show could have done a better job setting that up kind of like what we got last week where Ultron shows up, you know, you know, at at the end of that episode in a multiverse that kind of leads, leads into that. But 
I'm now more it's like ne- next week's episode now becomes must see TV, right? Because like ne- like this is a thing now where they they finally pulled together the threads, and we know you know that something else is is going to you know going to happen here, and it just it it's the first episode that didn't feel long either. Like there were a few long parts, but like, in the episode, but like it got through, and you know Ultron, you know. There, Thanos got jobbed by uh, Ultron, and now we know who the strongest villain in the Marvel cin- in Cinematic Universe is. It's Ultron. It always should have been. Joss Whedon ruined him. I'll never <laughs> forgive him for that, among other things. Jamie, what did you think? <laughs> wow. um, well, I, I, as an episode, it was so, I'm like, we're like, finally, oh my God, finally, things are happening. Thank goodness, because <laughs> it's been frustrating. Um, uh, but I, I, I tweeted this, and it's the same thing. The, the the voices being different has not bothered me yet, but this, I'm with Jim. I was, I would have given anything to have heard James Spader's voice. And it, I think a part of it, too, is because the role is a voice role. Uh, I think that makes it harder to accept. Um, and partially just James Spader is, has the voice of a god. Uh, and uh, Those soft, uh, velvety tones. Yeah. Or That's as my friends, I like to call him Jimmy Spades. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so that was disappointing. But other than that, what a great episode. And I, I, I missed last week. Apparently, we didn't like last week. I like to laugh because I like joy. <laughs> so I enjoyed last week's episode. Uh, but I it, it does getting better. Yeah, <laughs> clearly you hate fun. Uh, but I love it. So, um, but that's where I'm at. Uh, Jenna. <laughs> Everyone is just all over the place. We're all just listening to Jim on his like James Spader podcast in, in this little interlude here. Um, yeah, what I, what I was going to say that Aaron and Jamie have been waiting in suspense, suspense for, and then we started our countdown and I got cut off, was we, like in the essence of time, accidentally like clicked through the, like we skipped the intro. And so I didn't know who was in this episode in the way that I normally do. And so when Ultron started talking the entire time, I'm just like, what is that? Because it's like, that is not, it's like, does James Spader have a cold or something? Because I could not <laughs> figure out what was going on here. But I think Ross did a good job given the circumstances. It just is kind of jarring, especially hearing it come out of Vision's mouth. But like, outside of that, just the spectacle of the episode, the way that it kind of like paid homage to comic Age of Ultron, and then like that fight between Ultron and the Watcher is just such a like Jack Kirby bonanza of just like oh, visuals. Man. And then, and then we get, Ultron basically galactusing a galaxy. Like that was the coolest thing ever. So I I hope that season two keeps this sort of energy because this was just absolutely insane. Like this was just beautiful to look at. Uh, I want to say one thing. Uh, Ross did the voice of Ultron for the Avengers damage control VR experience. And in that he sounded so much like James Spader that I didn't know it wasn't James Spader until afterwards when a producer told me. So I think it was a choice to have him be different. I don't know why, because I agree that the Ultron voice that we got to know in Age of Ultron would have been the only thing I think that would have made this episode better. My reaction is I loved this episode. I thought it was really, really fantastic. Uh, so I don't, I don't really know why they had him not do it, because I know anybody who's done the Avengers um, damage control VR thing, it was like a limited experience, one of the coolest things I've ever done. Uh, they know that Ross is capable of doing that voice. So it was very interesting to hear that. I was listening to it today and I was like, well, I wonder why it felt like it kind of started getting less and less Ultron-y as it went on throughout the episode. So I'm not really, uh, I'm not really sure 
why that happened. Oh, yes. I thought the same thing. Uh, J2E in the comment section. I thought Carol coming in was Nova, and I was so excited. For you. When they were on Xandar, and <laughs> Carol came in, and I was like, no way. We're about to put Nova in one of these. Like, but it, I was like, well, Xandar is not the story. This wouldn't even make sense. But I was hyped for a second, and uh, it was Carol. So I was like, okay, okay, that's, that's still cool, but I wish it was Richard. Uh, but yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I, overall, my reaction is I love this episode. I thought it was fantastic. And I do think What If is probably going, unless this finale is really fantastic, I don't know that What If is going to be able to climb out from being my the bottom of my rankings of the shows so far. Um, but this episode was fantastic, and it certainly bumped it up the, more than any other episode has because. I really love the through line. I know some people are okay with kind of like these one-off stories and they enjoy them just as much as they enjoy any other story. I'm more invested in the overall stories with stakes and this one really up to the stakes in a massive, massive way uh, just for the show itself. Like not even the fact that like, yes, this Ultron could interfere with like the main MCU and whatever. Uh, I thought that this was, was really, really, uh, it was really good. It was, it was, and you got to see your hero, Tony Stark die again. Yo, I'm so tired of that quick. Like uh, that was my biggest thing. Honestly, when Tony Stark died, that was so early in this episode. I just started to think like this show is just, it's like just saying here, look, we can kill all these characters over and over again and you're going to like it. And no, I'm not, I'm not. But then I ended up liking this episode. So, uh, anyway, I am tired of seeing Tony Stark die. Jim, it's, those are notes on the rundown. Okay. You're jumping the rundown. This is why you're always in jail. I will say before I watched the episode, I like accidentally opened Twitter and I saw Jim's tweet about like this episode is everything I wanted what if to be. And then I saw Brandon's tweet of like, I'm sick of seeing characters I love die. And I was like, oh, no, (laughs) I was like, what am I getting into? (laughs) Well, I, I tweeted that I'm sick of seeing characters I love die. Uh, and somebody responded. It was like, you like Hawkeye? (laughs) I I didn't even get to that part yet. So, but until you stay episode, on Twitter, I, until you watch the episode, I yeah. know, I know. But in this episode, I very much liked Hawkeye. I thought that Hawkeye moment when he jumped down the pit uh, that Bruce Wayne climbed out of in The Dark Knight Rises and took down all the Ultrons—that was Hawkeye's best moment uh, under Marvel Studios' reign, in my opinion. I can't even think of anything that would compete with it because Hawkeye, other than jumping off that building in the first Avengers movie and that cool slow mo shot, yeah, uh, and having a cool trailer with Haley Steinfeld, I don't really know. Um, bootleg Bucky Hawkeye is it definitely ranks up there for me as yeah. What's with that arm? Favorite as favorite Hawkeye. Green Arrow did it first decades ago, and Hawkeye is just now catching up to losing his arm. (laughs) But Jenna originally at heart is a big DC uh, writer and covers a lot of DC stuff. So when DC fandom rolls around, by the way, I'm Uh using that Green Arrow reference as a plug for this. When DC (laughs) fandom rolls around, you're all gonna want to be following Jenna if you want to hear all about all the shows on CW. DCEU, everything coming up. Jenna's your girl down there. So, so uh, make sure you're following her. Um, oh yeah, Jenna, you added something. I want you to point this out. Um, so when Ultron and Watcher are going through all the different universes, which by the way, that was such a cool thing of like, they're in Times Square and it just keeps changing to like Wakanda and everything else. Um, President Steve Rogers was in one of them. He was on a TV behind there getting inducted. So I'm like, is that the ultimate universe are we just saying that that's a separate universe because that did technically happen in the ultimate comics so that was just an interesting little nugget i think it's the mcu being like the simpsons because chris (laughs) evans is going to run for president (laughs) (laughs) um 
I thought Thanos got squashed harder than Bianca Belair at SummerSlam. Oh. And I hated that at SummerSlam, and I hated that in this episode. (laughs) Man, I don't... That, to me, was such a... It it was a fairly bizarre choice, right? (laughs) To, like, to just do. Or, like... Like, I get it. Like, at this point, that Vision slash Ultron has basically destroyed the whole world, and so he's theoretically a stronger Ultron but it's still all he's got is the the soul stone in, in his head right so like he could have just done the same thing I do love the fact that he was cut perfectly in half uh, uh, fairly balanced um, just <laughs> just as Thanos would want just as he would want but um, Thanos' controller yeah. died like he just stood there <laughs> <laughs> like what happened I don't know I thought that mo- I th- they could have just given us a cool action scene there I think but it probably wasn't in the budget they, they couldn't get Josh Brolin to voice it again for one more episode <laughs> it, it's like a, a small undercurrent in all of these shows to be like you guys need to stop freaking out about the Infinity Stones of Thanos we're going to undercut it as many times as we possibly can we're going to kill Iron Man we're going to undercut all of it and I'm like oh but he's supposed to be so freaking cool like oh well he, he did get squashed real quick he was on screen for like what maybe six seconds right maybe if that because i was having tr- i had to write this up the site i tried to get a screenshot of him not swiss cheese and it, it didn't exist there was one frame and it was it i i thought for a second when thanos emerged into this onto the frame that this was going to be like he, like he looks down and gets bit in the ankle by a zombie and then that Whoa. takes us to the zombie universe i was like oh interesting they're going to tie this in psych split <laughs> down the, down the middle not to make a reference from like a year ago but they were trying to see if it was cake or not oh hey split him in half is is Thanos a cake is he not nope he's just falling in half (laughs) I I, I, I mean yeah that's uh, (laughs) that took me a second to realize what you meant and then I yeah all of the that whole time when every time you went on the internet it was just like let's cut something in half and see if it's a cake or not (laughs) is it a dog or is it a cake yeah oh no it was a dog (laughs) I don't want to see that one. No. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, also, I did. I mean, speaking of earlier, Jim said I make Black Widow jokes. It was nice to see kind of the roles reversed for a second. Yeah, I got some. I, I got some Endgame vibes when when Hawkeye slipped through. But you know, I, I'm tired of seeing characters die. All right, what I, if? Like, stop pushing did, me. Is it is it me or did? Uh, did Natasha seem like way more jokey in almost in, in an almost I out of character kind of confused way. about that because in the beginning she like says she's like I'm not one to make puns and while she right. doesn't make any puns she she goes on to be like Ms. Comedian <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't like mind it but it's like why, why set up the fact that you're not about puns and then but then like make dumb jokes for 30 minutes <laughs> I didn't mind it though. I thought like the bit with the shield was really cute. Like, I don't know. I just, I like happy Natasha. Like that was such a weird context to put it in, but I was like, all right, she's mm-hmm. happy for like two seconds. So I'll take it. Natasha <laughs> thrives in the apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, the watcher versus vision Ultron vision. Oh, Tron. That glorious Kirby crackle, man. What should we call vision Ultron? Ultra, by the way? ultra vision. Ultra vision. <laughs> 
I remember oh, okay. UltraVision downloads or whatever they were called. Ultraviolet. <laughs> Never mind. I don't remember UltraVision. Uh, I, I like I, I like Viztron. It's just how do you spell it? I don't know. It's terrible. Anyway, that fight with the Watcher and Viztron, UltraVision, whatever the hell you want to call Infinity Stone Tron, uh, was awesome when Watcher, when Uatu pulled out the gold armor and everything. I loved it. I loved it. I think that's the only reason we didn't get Ultron versus Thanos because we got that fight, this fight instead. It was a good one. Like it, it, I, I was thinking about like, it just, it was so gloriously colorful. Mm-hmm. I mean, you throw in the Kirby crackle and, and, and all that stuff, but like, it was just so, um, you creative in a way that like, look, we, unless you're like a diehard comics fan, you don't know what the watchers are capable of or what they can do or whatever. And this was a great way to, to kind of show that. And there is a thousand, like I'm now convinced more than ever that we're getting live action Jeffrey Wright as, you know, as the watcher somewhere because it has to happen now. And it's, uh, it was just, it was just so, so cool to see for, um, you know, especially, I mean, you, you knew it had to happen at some point because how many times can the watcher say, I cannot, I can only, I can only watch watching is what I do. But I do but like, I love like the, the, the dig that Ultron, uh, makes at the watcher. He's like, he goes, all you do is watching. And I'm not going to lie. It's a little creepy. Like, yeah, the, the Ultron saying what we're all, what we're all thinking. <laughs> it's it's totally totally a little creepy but um but man it just it went it went full kirby today with that stuff i mean the armor the, the like i said the kirby crackle but like the way that the powers were were showcased like absolutely love that i'm just so excited that jeffrey wright is doing things like like getting <laughs> something cool to do because i just love him so much and it was so fun to watch him like have some more personality, which, you know, understandable. He's been stoic. I, that's part of who that character is. But in this episode to watch him, like not know what was going on and then to fight. And I'm just, I, I hope you're right about the life. If we get live action, Jeffrey, right. Yes, please. Like I that mean, suit of armor has to be in live action. Like that would just look so cool. I would. I love that. There's no helmet color. big enough for. Uwanders I know. Hit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, that's gonna be. Dope. I did see a comment. And, uh, it's it's too far back now, but somebody thought they saw Mustafar in the episode. Like, and we've seen other Star Wars, mm-hmm. uh, like kind of Easter eggy things, like in Loki. Didn't we see an X wing or some yeah. sort of? Uh, oh, that's interesting. And so I don't know. Maybe they're maybe Disney's just like yeah, they do kind of coexist. I'm ready for. Uh, Baby Yoda get killed off in next episode of What If? (laughs) Too far, Brandon. I know. Yo, they they just kill everyone. Nobody's safe. They kill them all. Hate it. Love it. Hurt me. Uh, The end of the episode had a strange supreme return, tying it all up in a bow. I think so. Let's let's I guess make predictions uh, for this finale. First of all. Do we think it's going to end? Like, do we think this story will have an ending or are we just going to be left here open-ended for maybe multiverse of madness or what if season two that we know is coming? What do you guys think? Aaron at the top, you think this will have a satisfying story arc conclusion? Uh, I would hope so because 
I am still reeling because Loki did have an ending, but not really. And, you know, they did the Rick and Morty. We'll see you in like a year, year and a half. Like, who knows at the end of it? So I would like something more concrete because, you know, it's part two is probably not coming out in 2022. Um, but the all the talking around this sounds like it's not like that's not the end of the train. And why would it be? You know, so I think we get a nice group shot. They save the day. And then something comes looming in off the side to kind of signal what's coming in season two. Jamie, what do you think? Oh, you know how much I love predicting things. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I hope that I, 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 I like this episode finally tied stuff together. Keep giving me that. Uh, I don't mind a cliffhanger. I'm patient. Um, I, I have high hopes for this final episode. Though. This, this was the first episode that made me be like, yeah, we're in it. So, uh, but I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't pretend to know. Jenna, hit us with the prediction. I agree with Aaron. I feel like there's going to be there's going to be an ending, but then at the same time, whatever we get will absolutely just crescendo into multiverse of madness into season two. Like I hope with season two that we don't just get straight retreads of existing movies. I hope we keep this momentum of just like big, crazy, like like Jim said, kind of turning a concept on its side and then just running with it into something completely different because that seems to be the show's like strong suit. Jim, you have 30 seconds. Oh, oh never mind. <laughs> never mind. That just was, we could have been here till tomorrow if Jim gave a prediction. <laughs> James Spader comes back. He voices everybody. <laughs> and then this Moon just took up. Jim. Um, I, I think that it's definitely going to leave an open-ended ending. Probably. I like the idea that it's going to wrap this up and then something else will show up. But I also think really, I think like, some characters will be set up for obvious appearances in Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. I think especially one of them is going to be captain Carter. Uh, and I think we'll see the kind of like, Oh, well, you know, maybe that, maybe we'll see like a, like a blues clues type of thing where <laughs> Dr. Strange shows up and he's in live action and he's surrounded by animation and he pulls <laughs> well into the live action world or something. I don't know. I'm losing my mind anyway. Uh, yeah, that's, that's my prediction that it's going to be open-ended uh, and hope, but still hopefully satisfying. Um, but yeah, is there anything else you guys want to talk about today? Um, the chat uh, I would is like saying, to- Oh, the chat is saying happy birthday, Eleanor. So, shout that out. <laughs> uh, happy birthday to Eleanor. Eleanor! I will relay your love to to Eleanor, everybody. Uh, I hope she's uh, she's working today on her birthday. You hate oh. to see it, but we're going to Disney World tomorrow, so nice. you know that's okay. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we get to go on Rise of the Resistance. <laughs> Never been on it. If anybody the has the greatest any- ride in the whole world. Ever. I, I, that's what I'm hearing. If anybody has any tips on how to get on Rise of the Resistance, we only have one shot at it, I think, because we land at like 9.30 a.m. and we're going straight to the park. Uh, and I think we only have like that noon app opportunity thing. So if anybody has any tips, we'd love to hear it because I'm going to be real upset. Uh, her birthday will be ruined and my day will be too. So <laughs> real pressure, no pressure there, Disney. I know. Um, hurry up, Disney. Uh, make it happen. All right. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So is there anything else about what if or Marvel or anything we want to talk about before we wrap up I, today's show? I have a slightly off topic thing to say, and it's, uh, as you know, I was unavailable last week because I was too in my emotions about WandaVision losing all those Emmys. And I will say that I binged mayor of East town yesterday. Cause I had to know. I had to know if those women deserve to beat those women. And uh, all I'll say is that I do believe that Kate and Julianne gave uh, 
award-worthy performances, but I still think it should have been Elizabeth and Catherine. And if you want more details, follow me on, follow me on Letterboxd because I wrote a whole lot about it last night on Letterboxd. <laughs> but I, I just had to say that I, I have now I am now in the know on Mayor Town. I have watched it and uh, no one will be surprised to learn that I'm still Team WandaVision, 100%. Yeah, I was pretty shocked by the lack of awards for WandaVision, but, uh, you know, happy for the winners, sad for the losers, uh, and surprised, honestly. Um, Jenna, how was the three-hour Bachelor in Paradise? <laughs> oh, it was, I I feel like I lost all sense of time and space, like everything, the amount of, like, people who were together at the start of the episode and not at the end of the episode was just insane. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts whenever you watch it. I haven't I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Uh, so I gotta I gotta get through the three hours. And Aaron basketball season's coming back. I'm just getting everybody's personal off topic yeah. here. <laughs> you know, what what are you what are you getting excited for that the NBA is finally getting everybody back into uh they got their their player rules in place. You got the Kyrie Irvings of the world who, you know, but uh are you ready? Uh I, I'm excited, you know. Like I, I there's not it's not like there's like not enough sports on. Um, because NFL season is still going on too. I have to, I've now made it a thing. I have to go to a Titans Browns game at some point with you and Richard. We have to go. Let's I have go. To come go and see it with you guys. Tighten up, baby. Tighten <laughs> up. Titans are on fire. I got to root for the Titans because Lord knows my Gamecocks. Jeez, when I talk about South Carolina, like my Southern comes out. Lord knows my game. <laughs> oh my God, let's delete that from the show. Uh, but yeah, my, my South Carolina boys are having a tough couple of years. So it's all about the Tennessee Titans for me right now. Anyway, that is enough off topic, that, more off topic than anybody here ever wanted to handle. Uh, if you guys want to talk more, reminder, we have Andy Circus on the podcast next week. Uh, I, this interview is super fun, and I hope you all enjoy it very much. Uh, if you go see Venom, let there be carnage this weekend. We would all love to hear from you. Blow up our mentions uh, with your thoughts on the movie. Uh, tell us if we're wrong. Tell us if we're right. Uh, all those kind of things. We love. I love celebrating these things. If you take pictures of the theater. Send them our way. We'll throw you that RT because I love celebrating this stuff with you guys. Uh, follow Jenna at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn. Follow Aaron at Summit Lake Hornet. Follow Jamie at Jamie Cinematics. Don't follow me. It's a waste of time. Thanks for the quarantine watch party last night, everybody. It was a ton of fun. We have another one in two weeks, and I'll see you on episode 39 of Phase Zero one week from today. Later. Later.